Bima with my friend and my colleague, Rabbi Bill Lebo, who will share his words of eulogy for his dear friend, Cantor Kurt Silverman. Thank you, Rabbi Kirshner. I'd like to, <clears throat> before I speak, begin by reading one additional psalm that I think represents the life and the character of Cantor Kurt Silberman. It's the 15th psalm that says, Mizmor le David, Adonai mi yagur be'ohalacha, umi yishkon b'harkotshecha, holech tamim ufoel tzedek v'dover emet bilvavo, Lo ragal alishono, lo asalareehu ra'a, v'cherpa lo nasa akrovo. Nivzeh be'inav nimas v'et yirei Adonai yichabed. Nishba laharav lo yamir. Kaspo lo natan b'neshech, v'shochad al naki lo lakach. Osa ele lo yimot liolam. O oh God, at the end of our lives, who deserves to enter into your sanctuary? Who merits a place in the presence of God? The person who lives with integrity, who does what is right, who speaks the truth without deceit. The person who has no slander upon his tongue and no evil thoughts of others. The person who does not mistreat his neighbor, <clears throat> who spurns a contemptible person, but honors those who revere Adonai. The person who never retracts a promise once it's made, even though it may bring harm to himself. The person who lends no money at unfair rates, accepts no bribe against the innocent, who makes good deeds his own, that person shall stand firm forever. I, I think that we'll all agree that when the psalmist wrote those words thousands of years ago, it must have been with the anticipation that Kurt Silberman would live the life that he has lived. Inga, Judy, Sarah and David, Elizabeth. It's with great sadness that I join with you, Kurt's most beloved family, and this vast community that's gathered here, this community of Kurt Silberman. We're all here to honor Kurt for a life that was lived with joy and integrity and a life marked by so many accomplishments. We all express our condolences to you, the family, but all of us are also seeking comfort for ourselves. 
collectively, all of us, family and friends, express our gratitude for the kindness and for the affection that Kurt always demonstrated to all of us. I know that we already feel his absence so strongly. Kurt was a person who filled our lives as fully as the sound of his voice occupied all of the space in the places where we heard him sing. We first discerned the power of Kurt's presence when we heard his voice with our ears. But I think we all know that his voice was not the sum force of Kurt Silberman. What truly distinguished him was the joy, the warmth, and the genuineness, genuineness that the sound of his voice gen generated within us when he sang, but also when he spoke to us. Perhaps above all was his great dignity and his honesty that most aroused the feelings of love that we had for him in our hearts, and then those feelings overflowed into our souls. It's in our hearts and souls that I think we can measure the sum total of Kurt Soberman's presence in our lives. And it's from our hearts and our souls that I know we will find the ability to reconnect with the indelible impression that his gentility, his humor, and his wisdom made upon those of us who knew him so well. You, his beloved family, and all of us who are here, face a challenge in this hour in which we've shared our sadness with one another. It's incumbent upon us to accept the responsibility, beginning with this service and continuing on in the days to come, to find the, determin the, the determination to achieve an appropriate balance between mourning Kurt's death and celebrating the beautiful and worthy life that he lived. We all feel privileged to have known Kurt, but in turn, Kurt felt that he was blessed by his family and by this community that surrounded him with such warmth and such love and such an embrace for so many years. As Rabbi Kirshner mentioned, I've known Kurt for more than 30 years, and we formed a close and a sacred relationship. I've shared that with Kurt, but I've shared it with Inga and with the family as well. And in all of those 30 years, and probably your experience, those of you who are here, are as mine. I never heard Kurt express anything but gratitude. Every day was filled with gratitude for Kurt Silverman, for he never forgot that he and his family were granted a renewed gift of life when they were included among the few Jews able to depart from Germany for America just before the Nazis invaded Poland. 
His family left for the United States on August 31st, 1939, as the cloud of darkness descended upon the remaining Jews in Europe. That date was one day before the Nazis invaded Poland. Kurt came to New York and completed his education as a Chazan, and he began a remarkable career, not only at a professional level, but in the most personal ways. Kurt was appreciative of the honor and the respect that was always shown to him as a member of the clergy. He was embraced by this loving community of Temple Emmanuel. He flourished here as a cantor and as a teacher. But most of all, and I observed it every day that I was with him, he was a source of strength and an example of hope to the members of this congregation. Above all, with all of these blessings around him, with all of the adulation that he earned, Kurt knew that it was his loving family, each and every member of his family, that was his ultimate blessing. He knew that it was his loving, mutually respectful partnership shared with his beloved Inga that allowed him to enjoy all other blessings. As you, Judy and Ari, said to me, that together in marriage for 68 years, the individual qualities of each of your parents complemented the other's strengths and special gifts so seamlessly. Inga and Kurt came from very different backgrounds. Kurt from an observant Jewish home, and Inga raised in a more secular background. But Inga, with her usual wisdom, recognized from the very beginning of their relationship that Kurt was not going to change. So she said, I'm going to have to get on board. And get on board she did, creating a Jewish home that was filled always with the beauty and the aroma and joy of Jewish tradition. Inga, you supported Kurt in every dimension of his personal life, and you contributed your own talents and warmth to the life of the synagogues that Kurt served. Together, you created an incredibly strong new entity that all of us came to know always in a single breath as Kurt and Inga, Kurt and Inga. And through that partnership, Kurt and Inga earned and enjoyed the respect and admiration of their most loving daughter, Judy. Judy, your words describing your feelings about your life with your parents touched me so deeply. You said you always felt so fortunate that because you were adopted into this home filled with such love that you regarded your life as one where you lived an almost fairy tale-like existence embraced by two caring, devoted parents. I know, Judy, that your father loved you as his daughter, but he respected you as his friend and his confidant. He recognized your kindness, Judy, every day, your intelligence and your inner beauty. 
And from our first meeting, Kurt told me that he was especially blessed, Judy, with your total love and devotion. You demonstrated that to him in times of joy and times of adversity, but never more clearly than in these recent weeks when his long dormant illness returned and led him towards this peaceful transition from this world to Ulam Haba into the world to come. And our you were his son. He was always aware of the respect and the love with which you related to him. And your description of Kurt, I think, tells the story of the mutually respectful relationship shared between the two of you. You said that you never saw him angry or exhibit cynicism. He would greet everyone with his sweet, sincere smile. And he conveyed and received affection in return. But the atmosphere around him would always light up. I know that he cherished his conversations and honest exchanges with you. <clears throat> but I think he particularly enjoyed, Ari, the conversations when the two of you were on opposite sides of the issue. His granddaughters, Sarah and Elizabeth, were his special treasure in life. He rejoiced in all of your accomplishments. He welcomed you, David, into his, the family with great joy. He spoke so often about the three of you to me every time that I would see him. Kurt and his family came to New York without resources or employment. But Kurt quickly became a con consummate professional. Res with resilience after escaping the trauma of Germany, Kurt used his special gift from God of his voice, and but also of his optimistic spirit, and entered the profession where he was able to share his faith and creativity with others every day. Rashi commenting on the verse in the writings of the prophet Isaiah, said, Ein adam shar shira, alamitoch simcha v'tov lev, dichtiv hinei avdi yironein mitov lev. A person cannot sing songs of prayer unless his melody comes from a sense of joy and a good heart. For Isaiah said, Behold, my servant, my servant sings from a heart filled with goodness. Kurt Silberman's ability to communicate joy and gratitude, his soulful prayers in times of adversity in ways that moved us so deeply, came mitov lev, from his good and his loving heart. In return, we, his family, his friends, his community, and his colleagues honor and respect him. He was especially proud that he was elected president of his Cantor's Assembly. And he worked always to help cantorial colleagues in matters of placement. He was deeply grateful for the two honorary doctorates that he received in recognition of his respected work as a Chazan. I have to tell you that it was very unusual to receive the high honor of honorary doctors from both the Jewish Theological Seminary and Hebrew Union College. 
There's a powerful Mishnah in the beginning of the sixth chapter of Pirkei Avot. Rabbi Meir says, Kol ha'osek batorah lishma zochelet varim harbei v'lo odela shekol ha'olam kulo kedai hulo that one who works in pursuit of the values of Torah and seeks to make Torah known to others, that person is deserving of many things. But not only that, it would have been important for God to create the world just so such a person like that could live in the world. Kurt taught Torah by word and example in order to make God's vision for the world and humanity known to others. He represented the aspirations for humanity for which God created human beings. And as Rabbi Meir said for his devotion to Torah, Kurt earned many cherished rewards. When a person lives like Kurt lived his life, and he conveys Torah the way that he did, by teaching an example, Nikra Re'ahug. He becomes, he is called and becomes a beloved friend to those who see him and hear him and learn from him. When he does that, he's recognized as Ohev et Habakom, a person who loves God. Do any of us who know Kurt Silverman understand that teaching to reflect upon his love for God that he taught us. He's seen as Ohev et Abriot, a person who loves his fellow human beings. Because he loves Torah, Misameach et Hamakom, Misameach et Abriot. He brings joy to God for having created him. He brings joy to his fellow human beings who come to know him. And Rabbi Meir adds one more teaching that such a person, a person like Kurt Soberman, Naasek Mayan Hamitgaber Uchanahar Sheinofosek, such a person remains throughout his lifetime as a spring of water that never ceases to produce more water and like a river that ne never ceases its flowing. And so it is with Kurt. All of the qualities of which I've spoken continue to flow with the energy of an ever-renewing stream every single day of his life, every day of his life, even in the last days of his life. It was appropriate for God to create the world just so Kurt Silverman could have a place to live in it and teach us. This is how I understand my friend, Cantor Kurt Soberman. From the moment I first met him, when I came to Temple Emmanuel to serve as his rabbi for the auxiliary service for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. I've never lost my appreciation for the privilege of the friendship with Kurt and Inga that my wife Beverly and I have treasured like a special jewel in our lives. I learned so much from Kurt, not only the words of Torah, 
but the way of living Torah and our tradition. The Talmud of Sanhedrin says, Kol ha'omer shira ba'olam hazeh, zocheh v'omra le'olam haba. All who create song in this world will be privileged to continue singing beautiful memories in the world to come. Kurt's song, his presence will fill the heavens above as he filled our hearts and souls. In your words, Ari, Kurt lived a good life with no regrets. There was nothing for which he had to be ashamed. He never withheld affection. He brought joyousness to everything he did, and it was infectious. Yehizik Robaruch. May his memory always be a blessing, and his example a source of inspiration to all of us to emulate him in our lives. May his soul now be bound up in the bonds of eternal life, let us say. Shir Ladonai Shir Chadash. Normally, when speaking of cantors, we sing this psalm. Sing to the Lord a new song. But as Judy said just a few minutes ago, the tune of Don McLean's American Pie is singing in her ear. Bye bye, Miss American Pie. Today is the day that the music died. And it's hard to sing a new song. It's hard to feel that sense of hope and inspiration as we mourn this incredible human being. My dear Inga, Judy and Ari, Elizabeth, Sarah and David, and to all of our Temple family, I extend my condolences on the loss of your husband of 68 years, your father, your grandfather, and our collective cantor and inspiration. There are few people who will walk the world and impact as many lives in 2,000 years as Kurt Silberman did in just almost 93. And what's even more amazing than all that he accomplished as a husband, as a father, and a grandfather, a cantor, and a community leader was the manner in which he achieved the success in all of those disciplines. He did it with humility. He did it with kindness. He did it with focus, with a lot of hard work. He did it with laughter, dedication, and an even temperament. Those ingredients were all mixed just right to mold the person that few see these days. My relationship with Kurt started long before my tenure here at Temple Emmanuel. My father was a chazan, and my father had written many pieces in the world of chazanut, and my dad was always so fond of Kurt. You see, my dad didn't have the professional success that many other clergy had, and often he had to move around and look for different positions, and it was always Kurt that would find my dad 
and through his role as the chair of placement for the Cantor's Assembly, would always look after him, would always ensure that he could land on his feet and have the best opportunities possible. That is just how he was. He wore that title of chair of placement along with the title of president of the Cantor's Assembly with pride, but he also did the work that it entailed. He discreetly and kindly looked after all of those who needed it. And he always made sure that people like my dad and so many others could always feed their families. When my dad would talk on the phone with Kurt, they would talk shop, and then they would kibitz like colleagues. Because Kurt knew that colleagues needed more than just professional resources. They needed friendship, and they needed emotional support. And he did that seamlessly, like it was a reflex for him, naturally bringing his colleagues and his friends closer and always being a compass to point them in a way that would help them. When I entered JTS more than 22 years ago, I would frequently see Kurt in the JTS dining hall. He would always, without fail, come over and check on my welfare, how my studies were faring, and always ask of the welfare of my mother and father. He did this every time without fail that I saw him, and he did it for everyone who was blessed to know him. What's equally amazing to me is to see how many people have returned that gift. In the less than 48 hours since his death, people have been approaching me as they've been approaching you with a bitter, sweet tear in their eye, telling us stories and memories about how Kurt enhanced and changed their life and the part of the life that he gave them bitter on his loss and sweet for what he added. People came up to me on Saturday after shul when I announced his passing and said, it was Cantor Silberman that married me. And then they fell on my shoulder in tears. And how many came and said, he trained me for my bat mitzvah or my bar mitzvah. He prepared me for everything I needed to do. He bar mitzvahed my kids. He even bar mitzvahed my grandkids. It was Kurt who was there for so many people for all of these smachot, and all of them have that warmness rekindled in their heart. Even this Shabbat from this very bima, the young girl who was celebrating her bat mitzvah had her father's bar mitzvah here at the shul, and her uncles and aunts were all bar mitzvahed under your dad's leadership. Rabbi Carol Davidson, she uh, was a professional piano player. Some of you might remember her. She took over playing the organ at Temple Emanuel after John Harms. So she worked very closely with Kurt. And she started her own journey into Judaism, which led her to be a student at the Jewish Theological Seminary. She got a student pulpit in Beacon, New York. And she was prepared to give speeches and prepared to talk to people. She was very comfortable in front of a crowd but she knew nothing about ritual, knew nothing about liturgy, was ill-prepared to lead a service. And she realized that this very small congregation was going to need her to do just that, to lead the service in addition to speaking. So she came to Kurt with the siddur in hand and said, Kurt, I don't know anything. Can you just give me a quick primer on what I should know? 
and Kurt could read between the lines and sat her down every single week for months on end and made notations throughout her siddur so that she became literate in not only Kabbalah Shabbat and Shabbat services, but weekly services and so many other pieces. And Carol said, how do I repay you for your gift? You taught me so much, I could have paid thousands of dollars for these lessons. And Kurt said, it's very easy. Lead them in good faith, and you have repaid me for that gift. Just a few years after her ordination, Carol Davidson became one of the vice chancellors at the Jewish Theological Seminary. And how critical to note that that path was paved through the love and kindness and time that Kurt gave her like he gave so many other people. When news hit amongst the cantors of Kurt's death, there were tributes that started to pour in from all different colleagues across the globe. I'm gonna read a few brief excerpts from nameless cantors. One said, Kurt was Edelkite, that gentle sweetness from the old world. Another one said, who could ever forget his sweet, self-effacing comment about offering some short words being vertically challenged, or how he pronounced his name, and the pride that he had in attending HUC, but teaching at JTS, and how proud he was of the Cantor's Assembly and all of its members. One colleague remarked that he remembered Kurt's incredible sense of humor, and that he always was someone who was looking for solutions to any problem, that he was a good sport, that he always was kind, and that he was one of the incredible cohort of colleagues from Europe that survived or arrived prior to the Shoah and gave us a sense of continuity with our calling and its traditions. That was exactly who Kurt was. But I think what Kurt had more than most people was an uncanny sense of grace. Somehow or another, he always knew what to say or how to handle a particular situation. Two members of our congregation for quite some time, Trudy and Sai Sadanoff, told me about how they got engaged in our temple. They said they came to services once and not many people noticed their presence, but it was Cantor Silberman that came up to them and said, hi, welcome. You're new here. Tell me your name. Where are you from? What brings you to town? And engage them. And the next week when they came back, he said, Trudy and Sai, so good to see you again. Remembering them and engaging them. That heart and soul that he had could always connect to whoever it was that felt lost in the shul and remind them that they're at home. And now, if you look at Trudy and Sai today, they are engaged on every level of this community in its leadership, whether it's leading us on Yom Kippur, being part of our study groups, leading as pioneers for the Schechter School, and to think that it was Kurt's hand that helped shape those hearts and souls that made a difference in our world. Or another story that Ari once told me about Kurt, about a big wedding that was being planned with all types of celebration. And this wedding was gonna be a little over the top to the point where they were going to release about 100 doves after the breaking of the glass at the chuppah. And all the doves were tied up in a net, but what the wedding planner didn't realize is that there was a spotlight on the doves, and between the spotlight and the net, all the doves had died. 
So they break the glass, they open the net, and instead of a hundred doves fleeing off and flying, they all plummet on the chuppah or around the chuppah. Needless to say, it was a very awkward moment. But Kurt knew. Grabbed the microphone and he started singing Simentov, Mazotov, Mazotov, Simentov, and was able to divert everyone's awkward feeling into what the moment that brought everyone together. But that was his sense of grace. That was his sense of ability of knowing how to handle difficult situations and getting people out of it. You know, another crazy thing about Kurt was you could uh, you'd take the man out of Germany, but you couldn't take the Germany out of the man. He was a Yekka to his core, a real German Jew. Ari and Judy told Dory and I this story about how later in life, after their retirement, Inga and Kurt would enjoy traveling, especially on cruises. And the cruise would have times that you could board the boat from, let's say, 12 to 3.30. So of course, they wanted to be on the boat at 12 o'clock. So they said, if we want to be on the boat at 12 o'clock, we should aim to be there at 11.30. Well, if we aim to be there at 11.30, we should have a car pick us up at 11. But if we want to be there at 11.30 for 11, we should have the car pick us up at 10.30. And if we're staying at a hotel beforehand, we should call for our bags to be down by 9.30. But if we want them down at 9.30, we should have them called down for 9.15. And if we want to have breakfast beforehand, we should do so at 8, but we should really go down at 7.30 to make sure it all happens. And sure enough, at 6.15 in the morning, Kurt was all buttoned up and ready to go, suitcases in hand to board the boat. But that's how he was. He was a yekka. He was always on time, always proper and organized. But what happened on that boat was just as incredible. It was through their warmth and kindness that they would meet total strangers from across the globe and develop friendships, friendships that they would stay in touch with even to this day from people that they would just be blessed to know for hours. That is an incredible gift. And as he lived like a yekka, he even died like a yekka. I saw him Friday just before Shabbos, around five o'clock, just a few hours before he left this world. Rabbi Lebo, Cantor Singer, Rabbi Fried, myself, we've seen many people as they lie on their deathbed. Most of them are in pajamas or in hospital gowns, but not Kurt. Kurt was wearing dress slacks and a button-down shirt, tucked in with a belt, looking prim and proper, organized and neat, just as he should, and just as he deserved. And a week before that Friday, Ari and Elizabeth and Sarah and I were sitting there talking to Kurt and Inga. It was an incredible sight. And as Rabbi Lieber was telling the story of the fortunate time, the fortuitous time when Kurt and his family came over. He was recalling what it was when he woke up in the morning and looked up and saw the Statue of Liberty. Do you remember when he said that? And tears came in his eyes and he said, I never one day took for granted what it was to see that statue and realize the freedom that I was blessed to live in this country. Never one day. And as we looked up after hearing that story, none of us had a dry eye because we were warmed by the sincerity of his true appreciation of every gift that he was surrounded by. He never took one sunrise for granted. What an incredible ethic to live with. Judy told me that what she's gonna miss the most is being benched. 
when her mom and dad would give her that blessing on Shabbos. It was a usual occurrence. And even this last week, just after I left, he gave you all a blessing and focus so he could remember all of its words and prayers. And he gave one the next morning to you, Judy. But what I think you need to know, Judy, and when I say Judy, I really mean Judy and Ari, because you are just as much of that entity that Rabbi Libo spoke of as Kurt and Inga, is that while he bestowed a blessing on your head, it was really you both that blessed him. I don't have enough fingers and toes to count how many times in one visit your dad of blessed memory would tell me how blessed he was to have you in his life. A doting and loving daughter, a giving soul, someone who made him so proud to be your dad above all. They welcomed you, Ari, when you came home with Judy into their home filled with laughter and life and friendship and a sense of vivaciousness. And he was so proud of the love that you always showered upon Judy and the kindness that you together gave to Kurt and to Inga. That was a value that made them include you as their son. Sarah and later David and Elizabeth, Kurt and Inga, your Grammy and Papa were your second parents, there to help in any and every way possible whether it was running interference or helping with play dates or just spending time, you were simply the apples of their eyes. There wasn't a time when you were presented the choice of doing something with your parents or your grandparents that you didn't choose your grandparents because you knew how much love it gave them, but equally you knew of the love that they gave you and the enjoyment of that time together, the blessings that you always shared. That is a gift that you both reciprocated one to the next for so many years, and that is quite, quite incredible. But I think most noteworthy is his rock and his north star and his beloved wife of 68 years, Inga. You were everything to Kurt. And while indeed he was so proud to be a father and a grandfather and a cantor, I think the title he wore most proudly was your husband. You were the yin to each other's yang, the perfect complement to all that you did in life. Just a few weeks ago, when Kurt's illness seemed to come back at him, he was sure that the end of his days were near, and he was taken to Inglewood Hospital I happened to have been there visiting someone else and I came down to the emergency room where Judy was sitting with her dad and I was talking to Kurt. And Kurt started to wax philosophical about the gratitude he had in the life in which he lived. But he was left with one worry should the end of his days come in the next hours. His worry was his dear Inga, to make sure that she was looked after and loved and cared for because that was his primal concern. And that Friday when I came to visit with Ari and Elizabeth and Sarah, there sitting on the couch were Kurt and Inga, nuzzled up to each other, arms locked together, hands held tight, exactly as they had lived. Two lovebirds, like they had just gone out on their first date, that had only met a few weeks earlier. 
68 years, and they still sit on the couch with the same bracha bestowed upon their head that was set under the chuppah, that they were re'im ha'ovim. They were lovers who were indeed best friends and soulmates. What more could anyone ever ask for in marriage and in life? I want to close with a Hasidic story. It's the story of a very wise cantor who lived in a town in Eastern Europe. And everyone would come to this cantor because he was so sagacious and could always tell people how to handle their problems in a way that would set them free and solve their worries and dilemmas. One particular arrogant man who had done very well in business, very successful, but thought he was above all, said, Cantor, I make the most delicious feast on Shabbos, but no one's worthy of eating with me. I have all this delicious food. What do I do with it? The cantor stroked his beard for a moment, and he said, the best thing to do with it is to put it in the ark, because that way you're inviting God to join you for Shabbos, and that's who's worthy to be with you. Well, the arrogant man stuck out his chest. He felt great about that answer. God, yes, I deserve to dine with God, and I'll bring my Shabbos meal and share it with God. And the man went to the ark, put it in the ark, and closed the door and went on his way. And a few hours later, another man came in, very poor, didn't have means, crying. He said, Cantor, help me. You see, I work all day, but I don't have any money, and I can't even provide food for my family for Shabbos. And the cantor rubbed his beard for a moment, and he said, go to the ark, pray to God, and I pray that God will hear your prayer. And sure enough, the man went, and he found food for his family, and he brought his family a meal. And this continued year after year, year after year, where those who needed direction in life and to be set straight were done so, and those that needed help were given the means to support. That Hasidic story is the story of Cantor Kurt Silverman, someone who affected so many lives and touched so many souls and made all of us better and stronger, but without any fanfare, never seeking recognition, only knowing that the reward he wanted was a world that was a better place. So, if we want to live the way that he lived, and we want to surely give tribute to his memory, then that's our job. Our job is to continue to give that love and support and direction so that those people with the extra meals know exactly where it is that they should bring that food. And those that are hungry know that they can go to an ark and always be fed. And as long as we continue to orchestrate that and continue, then we continue to not only keep Kurt's memory alive, but keep the way in which he lived strong in each and every one of us. That's what he taught us in this world. And he did it in only 93 years. Most couldn't do that in 500. What an incredible gift. So to you, Hachazan Me'er ben Michla ben Aftali, our beloved cantor Kurt Silberman, an incredible father and father-in-law, grandfather, husband, cantor to this community, colleague to so many, and to me personally, Kurt, you were so much more than a cantor emeritus at this temple. 
You were a friend, you were a counselor, and you were a mentor. I say to you, Baruch atah blessed was your coming into this world. You gave each of us a sense of perspective. You demonstrated kindness and grace. You offered humor. You filled our hearts with your beautiful song. You had ethics and integrity and a sense of selflessness in all the actions of your hands. And you modeled devotion to family and to values and to our sacred tradition like no other could. And we can never take that for granted. And on this sad day, as we say goodbye to you, we say, Baruch atah May you be blessed in leaving this world. Because this world and these people, your family and this temple family, and the countless people you have touched and stewarded closer to God and service to the Jewish people and the strengthening of humanity everywhere is better because you've lived in this world and you are a part of it. Kurt, may your soul be bound in the bond of life eternal. May your memory always be a blessing. May you rest in the peace in which you deserve. And may you fill the Garden of Eden with your beautiful spirit and song. And let us say, Amen. Please rise.